You're listening to the Revision Path Podcast, a weekly showcase of the world's black graphic designers, web designers, and web developers. Through in-depth interviews, you'll learn about their work, their goals, and what inspires them as creative individuals. Here's your host, Maurice Cherry. Welcome once again to the Revision Path Podcast. I'm Maurice Cherry. Hope you all are doing good out there today. Got two big announcements. The first big announcement is that we have a new sponsor, MailChimp. MailChimp is hands down the easiest email service provider that I have ever used. It's a great addition to any business's marketing strategy. You can send emails out to your list. You can track your results. And you can integrate it with a number of different services like e-commerce or your CRM, what have you. Plus, they're right here in Atlanta, so I got a route, you know, for the home team there. Visit them at MailChimp.com and sign up for a free account today. Second big announcement. Uh, we're actually going to talk about that a little bit later in our interview, so keep on listening. We're still on the lookout for interns, so visit RevisionPath.com forward slash internships and apply today. Uh, for you college students out there, you can even get college credit, and you'll be helping us out to keep this movement going strong. Now, I mentioned MailChimp earlier, but this episode is also brought to you by Audible.com. If you go to audibletrial.com forward slash revision path, you can sign up for a free 30-day trial and get a free audiobook. Uh, this week, I was listening to the new Walter Mosley book, Debbie Doesn't Do It Anymore. It's getting rave reviews. Just put it on while I was working. It was just that easy. Again, go to audibletrial.com forward slash revision path and get your free 30-day trial and a free audiobook from any of their 150,000 available titles. That's that's a lot. <laughs> uh, this week's interview is with the always inspiring Saida Mitchum, owner of Saida Mitchum Designs and the creator of Inspiring Black Designers. Here we go. All right, Saida, welcome to Revision Path. Why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? Well, my name is Saida Mitchum, and I am a WordPress web designer for social entrepreneurs and nonprofit organizations. And I create, well, isn't that just summing it up right there? (laughs) But I've been designing websites since I was 13 years old. So I recently narrowed down my niche, and those are the two nonprofits and social entrepreneurs. Those are the two I really want to work with, continuing out my transition of building my business. So the the design bug kind of hit you pretty early. You said you started when you were 13. Yeah, I was. All right. This is corny. Okay. But I was preteen. So I was designing websites for like the B2Ks and the Bow Wows and everything. <laughs> so like all my little male crushes, like I would create fan sites, like me and my friends would create fan sites for them. Okay. And we would like build it from scratch, HTML, Paint Shop Pro, because Photoshop wasn't out <laughs> at that time. And then as years went by, we still couldn't afford Photoshop. So <laughs> we would design graphics in Paint Shop Pro. So that's really what I was like spending some of my summers slash after school activities doing as a preteen. <laughs> Did you decide to go into uh, study that in college too? Or was this really just like a hobby that you decided to to keep going on into adulthood? Yeah, I I kept designing as a hobby until I graduated high school. And then I decided to go to college for graphic design and multimedia. I landed, however, and that's when I actually landed my first client. It was Ron Cook Barnett. He is the New York State Gang Prevention Program is what he runs at that time. And 
he's seen some work I did for a friend, um, a website and a few like flyers and things like that around town. And he called me and asked me to come in for a meeting because he wanted to hire me to redesign his website. Nice. And then you just sort of, the rest is history, I guess, after that. Yeah. So it just fell in my plate. Yeah, it really did. But I always wanted to, I did go to school for it for two years and it is definitely was a career choice um, that I knew fresh straight out of high school that I wanted to do. Nice. Nice. Did you have any mentors that also kind of helped you along with that? Honestly, no, not until like the last few years. I haven't. I just honestly just learned it on my own and really went from there. It was just about having fun, doing something creative and expressing myself creatively. So yeah, it, me just going into the business side kind of fell in my lap. Like I never even thought of, thought of it, honestly, until like, yeah, you graduate college, you go work for someone else for a few years and then you go on your own. And it really didn't happen to me for me in that particular order. So what was the order? The order was design as a hobby all through high school. Then I, my first year of college, Ron Cook Barnett asked me to redesign his website. And I was like, oh, I wasn't thinking about doing this for a business, but yeah, that's cool. You want me to design your site? I'll do it. He told me to, okay, draw up a contract, create some mock-ups and let's go from there. Uh-huh. And I was like, I had to like figure out the whole business side right before our our next meeting, basically. (laughs) So that's how I was kind of like thrown into it. And I didn't even make it to work for someone else as a designer, honestly. Um, Like, you know, a design studio or anything that I never worked for anyone else. I've been working for myself since. So. Oh, nice. It's interesting. I think for some people, when they, they go that route, particularly if they also went to college for design, they end up falling into that. I don't want to say the agency trap, but they fall into that line of working for agency after agency. I mean, it sounds like your path was a bit different from that. Like you were always kind of doing it on the side before you decided to become full time with it. Definitely. Yes, definitely. I had done it on salary for years, part time. So I worked full time as an office manager for a nonprofit called Citizen Action for a few years. I was able to do like websites for them as well to New York State consumerhealth.org I did for them and helped them with citizenaction.com a little bit and their Twitter page I redesigned it for them so and that was all pro bono and I just took on some side clients on part time while I was going to school and working at Citizen Action so yeah and then once I graduated then I moved I met my husband Um, at that time he was my boyfriend and I moved to Rochester so yeah, I've been doing from 2002 to about four years ago. I was doing it part time. So when did you decide to make the leap into full time? When I moved here, I moved to Rochester about four years ago. And then about a little less than two years ago, I married my husband and we started thinking about family and things like that. So like having a family. So I really really started thinking about the future. Like, where am I going with design? Because I'm not going to work for an agency, mostly because I live upstate New York, not New York City. So you have to have like a bachelor's degree mm-hmm. to, you know, work for an agency here. And if I wanted like entry level type job, I would have to like move to a bigger city, like New York City. And that was like out of the question for me. So 
as I was working like these part-time dead-end jobs, because I'm in a whole new city, I was just like getting frustrated with working for someone else. And I was just like, I really need to make a decision quickly. So I decided to quit my job in March. And I was like, I told my husband, I said, you know what? I want you to support me on this, but I need to prove to myself that I can do this full time. Like at least give me two years to figure it out. And if not, then I'll go work for another person as office manager or something like that. But give me two years. So that's what we did. (laughs) And now it's been a year and a month. So I'm not all the way done with my two years, but I honestly cannot see myself going to work for someone else right now. I really can't. Not in the next ever. (laughs) No, I hear you. Once you get that that bug to that entrepreneurial bug and you start working for yourself, it becomes, I think the longer you do it, the more you realize you can't go back again. Like you can't go back to that same nine to five world. Cause it's just totally different. Right. You have the freedom. I can do whatever I want. I can make my own schedule. I can make my own prices, you know, and it's my atmosphere. It's my rules. You know what I mean? So I love that, that freedom and that flexibility because honestly, when you are working for someone else, it's all in their terms. And I'm just one of those rebels in a way, I guess, because that's how I look at entrepreneurs, like you're rebels, because you want to just do it all in your terms. Yeah, once you get a hit of that freedom, you don't want to go back unless you're like hit rock bottom. Right, right. And you don't know how to get back up again. But most people who are rebels do know how to get back up again. So, (laughs) yeah, I'm never going back to corporate. Definitely. How would you describe your personal design style? Are there other designers that have influenced your work? Honestly, like Milton Glaser, I love him. Okay. He did I Love New York and a few other things, definitely. I love his style. I just love the clean lines, white space, modern type design. And I'm totally cool with also like playing around with textures and things like that and having fun. But I am so clean line and modern at heart. So that's really my style. All right. Where do you see your business going in the next few years? Like what are the next steps of growth for you? I can honestly say one thing that like a few years ago, I thought, well, I'm going to work for myself for a few years. And then I want to save up enough money for me to like get an office downtown and hire staff. And that has totally changed since I got married. (laughs) So since I got married now, it's like, I want to have babies. I want to stay, you know, working from home because of the flexibility, because I want to see my kids grow Mm -hmm. and just work with subcontractors. So honestly, I want to grow financially and I want to grow with, as far as like working with bigger nonprofit organizations as I grow and doing more teaching. But I want to stick with this. I want to definitely stick with working from home in a home office because family is actually is so much more important to me now than I'm married versus before, you know, I was in a single mind frame. So, yeah, I'm going to be doing this for years to come, I guess, until I'll probably create a whole new idea of like what I want to do once my kids are probably like grown or something and, you know, when they're in high school and they really don't care about mom anymore. really. Right. And then that's when I probably be like, OK, now I'm in a position where I can kind of go back to that mm-hmm. like ideal dream and have a office downtown and hire staff. So that's possible, but it won't happen for the next like 10, 15 years. <laughs> 
Now, you mentioned earlier when we were talking about mentors, you said that you didn't really have anyone come along until about the, the past few years or so. Who were some of those people? Yeah, definitely. Margaret is a graphic designer and she's also a graphic design instructor at a local college here in Rochester. And I kind of met her through AIGA Spark Mentor Program. And then Michelle Martello, who I met through B-School, she has been an extremely awesome. She's not hung up on titles. Like some people call them design coaches. Some people call them consultants or a mentor. She, to me, has been extremely helpful and awesome helping me with my business because she really knows the online world. Whereas my AIGA Spark mentor really knows the design world in my community. So I kind of get a best of both worlds. Uh And so I'm able to leverage online through my AIGA Spark Mentor. And then I'm able to leverage, I'm sorry, in my community through my AIG Spark Mentor and then leverage online through my B-School Mentor. So yeah, I say get as many mentors as you can, depending on what you want to do. Those are two women who I absolutely love and they've been helping me tremendously make a transition in my business. Talk to me a little bit about B-School and what that's about, just for the people out there that don't know. B-School is awesome. It's about teaching entrepreneurs how to leverage their business online and market their business online as well. And it's been awesome. There's like so many different women in many different backgrounds and industries. They have life coaches, business coaches, designers, writers. It's just the list goes on. And for me personally, I joined B-School because I wanted to learn how to market my business Like, as you know, like I started this as just a hobby and it's so much more than that. There's whole business side of design that I think it has to be taught because you don't wake up knowing everything. And it definitely wasn't taught to me when I was going to school for it. So that's why I invested in B-School so I can learn how to do email marketing effectively and how to leverage social media effectively how to write sales pages and create programs and courses. So that is exactly why I attended B-School. All right. Let's switch gears a little bit. I think most people probably know you from your website, Inspiring Black Designers. Talk a little bit about that and sort of how you got started with it. Yeah. So Inspiring Black Designers, I created a year ago. And overall, the mission is to inspire, empower, and educate the community of Black designers, graphic designers, and web designers. And I do that through highlighting like pioneers in our industry, interviewing some successful designers that I know who will like inspire the design community, highlight websites and portfolios from web designers and graphic designers, and then also like provide them like resources and tools. So they can succeed. And I like started that because when I first joined AIGA, I really seen like I seen a few interviews from black designers, but I really didn't get to see like many black designers in the community, which kind of bothered me because like I know they exist because I belong to like a lot of private groups on Facebook. And I'm like, where are all the black designers? And And also my mentor even mentioned that to me, too, is just like, you know, when you go to these events, you know, AIGA events, there are very little black designers present. So 
I said, you know what? Well, I need to make it them known, show their work because I've seen tons of black designers in the community of on Facebook and LinkedIn and like they need to be seen. That's all I thought of. Like they need to be seen and their voice needs to be heard and we need to hear their stories. And so that's why I created Inspiring Black Designers. Nice. I like that our missions are pretty much uh, the same in terms of we both want to showcase black designers. We want to inspire other designers just to know about who we are and what we do. Can you tell me a little bit about some of the challenges that you've had with because I've been pretty vocal with about revision path and the challenges that I've had with it. Uh, mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about sort of some of the challenges you faced with inspiring black designers in terms of, of just, I guess, just everything. What are some of the challenges you've had? Yeah. Everybody doesn't know what goes behind the scenes of a blog and for most they might know, and it really is difficult just as far as like the upkeep, you know, something so simple as upkeeping your blog up to date. And then a lot of it is really of getting people to be just as excited about your mission as you. And I think for me, like one huge obstacle has been like getting people to be featured on the blog, you know, fairly new, understand, but it was like pulling teeth somewhat some, and sometimes when it comes to like interviews and featuring designers. And then a lot of designers were like extremely excited. They're like, this has been a lack for quite some time. And it's so refreshing to see people to who wants to give some shine to like our peers mm-hmm. and show our work. So it's been a mix, but it definitely was shocking a few times when people were kind of like standoffish, like, <laughs> like, I don't know if I want to do that, or I don't know if I want you to feature my um, portfolio or my work, or I don't know if I want to do an interview. So that was like a, definitely a, a shocker and um, struggle in some senses, but I got a lot of positive reinforcement as well throughout the design community, especially as being like a newbie when I first started out and continuing people that interview they are continuing to still like show support. So yeah, I mean, it is a lot of work, (laughs) (laughs) a lot of hours, like, especially when you're running your own business, Mm -hmm. a lot of hours go into it with just researching designers, finding new faces and new topics. Yeah, definitely a lot of work goes into it. Yeah. It's interesting with these sorts of things because a lot of what you're mentioning are some of the same struggles and problems that I've encountered as well, where it's sometimes hard to get to find people that will want to share their story, or it's sometimes hard just to get other people on board with what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Because, and I, I sort of hate to put it this way, but it's true. It's hard for them to sort of get past the fact that you are showcasing only black designers, mm-hmm. where people can feel like that's like exclusionary or segregation or even racist, which I think is probably that's the wrong term for it. But I know I've encountered that as well. Just trying to tell people, you know, this is what I do and this is what we're, you know, the mission. And it's like, Oh, well, don't you think that's, you know, a little racist? Why does it have to be black designers? Why can't it be all designers? I know. I honestly, when I was creating the name, like I just first created the name, bought the domain and put the blog up. Yes. The word black, like offended people. And so, and I like 
what? Are you serious? Like, but we're in a in post racial America. I don't understand that. I totally look at it as powerful, <laughs> beautiful. Like the way I look at the word black is totally different, I guess, than some people look at the word black. I think of it as beauty, of power, empowerment. Like I think culture, strength. I look mm-hmm. at the word black in a whole different positive light where for me, I did not budge. That is the name inspiring black designers. Yes. And I'm sorry if you think you get offended from it. Who, I honestly don't care. <laughs> and, you know, that's how I thought of it. And I made that's the little rebel in me, I guess. But I don't think of, look at it in that sense. I wasn't trying to just segregate myself from people. It's a niche, you know, and as designers, everybody wants you to find your niche. And then when you do, don't look at it as a negative. It's a positive. I'm uplifting my sisters and brothers. That doesn't mean that I don't love every other designer out in the world. I do. I love them. I still look at your work every single day. But what I'm putting on my blog is specifically for black designers. And it's a lot of positivity within that for me personally well said i totally agree with that yeah i guess we can we can sort of talk a little bit about what do you want to call this an announcement of sorts yes (laughs) a good way to put it so why don't you tell the people about sort of the future of where inspiring black designers will go yes it has been a year and a month and there's one quote i definitely want to say before i make the announcement okay and that is Success isn't just about what you accomplish in your life. It is about what you inspire others to do. So I am going to be merging with Revision Path. Woohoo! <laughs> um, <laughs> and be a contributor because we, like you said, we have definitely like similar missions. And I think we both want support. Like we want support. And I want to support Revision Path. I want to merge IBD with Revision Path and be a contributor and write a column for Revision Path monthly. So I still keep the mission going, still empowering Black designers as years to come with Revision Path. So I'm excited, definitely excited for like the next steps and making the transition. And I hope everybody else will still be on board and see that, you know, it's great to support one another and to unite. We always don't have to stand alone, whether in our business or in our life. I think it's much more bigger and a beautiful, more bigger impact if we unite together. And that's exactly what we're going to do. We're going to unite and push the mission forward. So I'm excited about that. Absolutely. I am so excited to have you on contributing and you can sort of talk about, really, you can talk about what you want because it'll be your column. But I'm, I'm just really excited to have someone else. Because <laughs> I mean, because as you know, this could be a pretty solitary venture trying to, you know, you're scheduling interviews, you're talking to people and things like this. And I know that with Revision Path, I've always wanted to sort of expand the content offerings past interviews. Like I thought interviews would be a good sort of place to start, but I've always wanted to go mm-hmm. further than that because I feel that. There are, are topics that need to be discussed that are of particular importance to black designers and black developers as well that mm-hmm. I don't think a lot of other mainstream sites are really discussing, at least not in a way that speaks to our audience. Do you know what I mean? Right. So I've, that's always been sort of the mission for me is to expand this 
forward. And of course, you know, collaboration is always a great thing. Sort of like how that that old saying goes, teamwork makes the scheme work, that kind of thing. There's power that comes from kind of strategically aligning yourself with other people to help each other grow. And so I'm extremely excited to have you on. I can't wait to see what your first column will be. Thank you. Me too. I love that I'm still going to be able to write and to talk about like highlighting designers and talk about the design community. And I'm excited. I really am. And it wasn't easy to like, oh, I have to, I'm going to stop IBD. But to, you know, it wasn't easy to come to that conclusion because it was like my baby for a year. But I was like, hold on, but I'm growing. I'm going to grow the mission. I'm going to unite with someone who is awesome and we're going to do this together. So honestly, it just becomes like much like the picture becomes bigger, Mm -hmm. honestly. And I'm excited about showing everyone exactly more what I can do and how I contribute to revision path and writing my first column kind of like, is my introduction to Revision Path. I'm so excited to be on the team. Like, seriously. Do you already I'm like have doing some... happy dance. <laughs> happy. <laughs> do you already have some ideas of what you're going to write about? Yes, I do. I do have some ideas. Like, there's some designers that I want to highlight, some blogs that I wanted to highlight, and definitely, like, a few topics about the design community that I wanted to write about. Okay. But I say I love to have a little mystery. So... People should stay tuned. Keep going to revisionpath.com every single day until you see my column come up there and keep sharing our sharing revision pass posts. Like I want you to be there just looking out for me, but it's definitely going to come. I'm going to leave a little mystery on that one, but I want everyone to just keep showing up until you see me. Sounds good. I like having that, (laughs) that little bit of mystery. Let's go back a little bit. Now you were talking before, about IGA or AIJ. I don't, I keep saying one or the other, but uh, (laughs) so are you still a part of AIGA? I'm not, I'm not. Um, I'm still with my mentor. Okay. Because we have a personal relationship beyond AIGA, but um, yeah, I stopped my membership just this past year. Now there are many designers that I've spoken with, some that I've interviewed as well that have sort of a I don't know if it's love, hate, or bittersweet, but there's there's a bit of yeah. a, a contentious relationship with AIGA, and I think it does boil down to diversity. Yeah. For example, earlier in, in January, I did the Design Journeys interviews where I talked to some of the people that have been featured with AIGA, like Steve Jones, Maurice Woods, uh, mm-hmm. Emery Douglas, but I've also interviewed Andrew Bass, and Andrew Bass used to be the former chair of diversity for AIGA. Mm-hmm. And it, it would appear that, you know, as each president, I guess, sort of comes and serves their term, that diversity is never really something that is an important topic to talk about mm-hmm. or an important topic to try to, to make known. For example, AIGA had a, a crowdfunding campaign. I want to say it was in maybe 2011 or 2012 to try to, they were trying to raise $100,000 through Indiegogo for Mm -hmm. these scholarships. I think it was like World Studio or something like that because it was about increasing diversity within the ranks of design. They didn't make their goal. I mean, I I don't think they even made 5% of their goal, to be honest, Mm -hmm. which sort of makes you wonder if AIGA is trying to put forth these steps. I mean, granted, in a bit of a a kind of an interesting way with, with crowdfunding, is this something that they even see as a viable 
topic for them to discuss? Is this something that they're really concerned about? I'm interested in that just on a on a personal level. Right. Because, you know, it's the American Institute of Graphic Arts. I think that's what it stands for. Mm-hmm. So you would think it would try to encompass as many different viewpoints as possible and not just stick to one specific type of group. Yeah. Or just be so general, I think, to just like only design and not really paying any acknowledgement to different groups. And yeah, I mean, for me personally, when I joined IGA, their membership, I was really like, okay, I want to get in to see all the hidden (laughs) pages. Mm -hmm. When I joined them, the one thing I liked was their job section, but then it really wasn't, that wasn't really diverse either, as I found out. And when I did sign up for the Spark program, which I thought was awesome. And um, I met my mentor, like we even discussed, you know, diversity within AIGA. And she's been a member for years, years. And she can honestly admit to me that it's not much diversity in AIGA. Now, I think there's a lot of factors to be fair for all Mm -hmm. that plays into that. You know, did AIGA make a bigger effort? Are black designers... What's the word for it? Are they putting themselves out there? Yeah. Yeah. Or are they, is it something that AIGA is not doing that will draw in multicultural creatives? There's so many factors and it's crazy that you just said about the whole crowdfunding thing. Cause I don't think that's the way to go. They could have put like any other program, free program to contribute. I mean, they have all these other programs. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, for me, it was just like a personal I really felt like I didn't get much out of it. It really wasn't a lot of diversity within the organization. And then I honestly didn't even want to attend any of their events because I was told like it's not diverse. And I love to be, you know, that's why I'm in B school. I love to be around all different types of people and all different backgrounds and different levels in their business or as a designer, everybody's at different levels. And that's what I'm drawn to. And since that they don't necessarily bring that to the table, it really was like a turn off and a killer for me. So I kind of <laughs> let my membership just go. I wasn't getting much information out of them either. As far as like, you know, being a designer and tips and, you know, to help me improve and things like that. Like I really didn't find much benefit mm-hmm. at all. And, um, So it wasn't worth my membership (laughs) personally, you know, so. Yeah, the people I know that have gotten uh, some good things out of AIJ, it's usually been because of some of the tools that they offer. Like I think they have this, uh, they do a a salary survey. Mm -hmm. People know about pricing. And I think they also have these sort of sample contracts that you can sort of start your business out with. Like I think resources like that are really important. I don't know if they need to be behind a 75 or however much a AIJ membership dollar is paywall. I don't think it needs right. to be behind that because this is stuff that I think anyone that any designer that wants to become more entrepreneurial and start their own business, this is information that we should be freely kind of giving away and not sort of locking away behind such a, you know, a big price point. That's one of the things I talked about with uh, Jacques Dupou, who I interviewed a few weeks ago where he was saying, you know, kind of the, the barrier to entry for design can be pretty high just financially. Yeah. Because a lot of our industry standard tools are becoming more expensive. Take Photoshop, for example, that used to be a one-time cost. Now it's right. something that you're paying monthly. 
So you're always paying to use it. And, you know, that kind of thing can deter people from sort of just getting a foothold mm-hmm. into the industry. I agree. I think and also that a lot of more updated information, such as contracts and things like that, are around the web. So, you know, for them to charge for it, there's free content out there that's much more updated, too. So, yeah, it really isn't worth the ticket price, (laughs) especially in a way some for me personally, I found much more updated information. And like to compare the two, I was just like, why am I paying for this? Because it's kind of out of date <laughs> and, um, in some senses and I can find it other places. And, you know, everybody has the option, you know, if you don't want to pay the ticket price, you can always go somewhere else and find other designers like yourself who create, you know, great resources um, that they use for their own business and they put it out there for free for you to use too. Mm-hmm. Designers can, as long as they know where to look and they can definitely find that information. Yeah, so, finding out where to look is really the, that's the biggest thing. Yeah. Uh, one of the things, you know, and this happened when I sort of started Revision Path, is that there was that question sort of like what you discussed before about where are the black designers, where are the black, you know, developers, where are the black web professionals, period. Mm-hmm. And people would ask the question, but not really try to search for the answer. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They'll ask the question, they'll put it out there and not really see what I think now it's much easier to answer that question. I think you can type that question into any search engine. You can find, you know, like Black Girls Code, you can find IBD, you could find Revision Path, things like that. So mm-hmm. the communities that are out there that are doing this work that are showcasing, you know, talented individuals are pretty easy to find. Yep. I think the onus has to be that you have to actually want to find the answer. Yes. You're not just putting forth the question you know, in some sort of Socratic fashion, like, you know, you actually want to solve the problem. You're not just, you know, adding, not adding fuel to the fire, but you're not just basically spewing hot air. Yeah. Or throwing it out to the universe and hoping it'll like hit you back type thing. (laughs) Right. Right. Which I think is what happens a lot. Earlier this year, there was sort of this talk with Net Magazine about their Net Awards and the nominees that came out and people were saying, oh, most of the nominees are white males. And, you know, Net Magazine kind of fired back and was, at, um, you know, asked people, well, did you uh, nominate anyone? Right. Did you apply? Did you, you know, did you vote for anyone? Which is really the wrong question because not everyone's going to know about it. I can understand based on their position, they might think everyone knows about them. I don't know if many black designers or underrepresented designers in general know about Net Magazine. I didn't know about Net Magazine until... Jeez, I used to live across the street from a Barnes and Noble and I would go there and they have, you know, like those big glossy $15 magazines with this, the CD uh-huh. in it. And uh, to me, I'm like, I'm not paying $15 for a magazine. <laughs> like, again, we're talking about price points, right? I'm like, I'm not paying $15 for that. Like, I would sit in Barnes and Noble and read it from cover to cover and put it back. But I'm like, I don't see why I would need to pay $15 for this. Right. But I wouldn't have known about that unless I lived next to a bookstore that had it. Right. So... You even talk about these bigger types of organizations that do this. What sort of outreach are they doing to these communities so people know kind of who they are and what they do and can share those resources? If you're staying in this insular type of bubble, yeah, it's going to be hard for people to know who you are and and understand what, you know, the work that you're trying to do. What do you think black designers can do to sort of increase their presence in terms of, 
community, in terms of self-promotion? Because I think that's something that both you and I have a, a keen awareness of from uh-huh. interviewing people. Yep. That there are black designers out there that almost want to remain hidden. Right. For me, I think it's one thing for me. I think it is that network, talk to people. Don't be afraid to talk to people. I mean, for me, you wouldn't even believe that I'm such an introvert and I can be a little shy at times in some ways. I'm learning to grow and to push the envelope a little bit more when it, because my business needs it, it's going to survive off of it. Uh-huh. I can understand that sometimes it can be scary to talk to people and to tell them, you know, hi, you know, this is my name. This is what I do. This is how I want to help people. But, you know, closed mouths don't get fed. So you have to do that. You have to talk. You have to network with people. You have to introduce yourself to someone every day. And then also you need to research like in design, we have to do well, people should be doing a lot of research before starting a project. And it's the same for your business. You don't have all the answers, so you should be researching and finding credible sources. So I kind of know of Net Magazine, but they don't draw me in in no sense of the form. So I never really go to their site. However, I do go to like Ink Magazine all the time or, you know, so just because their information holds my attention. So it really is, I think, when people are a little bit, like you said, like they're kind of throwing out to the universe and like hoping the answer comes back to them. And, or like, okay, I put a website up so people will come to me. And that's just not true. Like you have to network with people. You have to find out, you know, if there are certain magazines who draw in your audience that you want to work with. You should be contacting them. You should be writing for them. You should be contacting people that you want to work with and don't be afraid to send an email or say hello. And I can be like one person who says like, yeah, like three years ago, would I be saying this? No. Now? Yes. Because my business is only going to survive if I make it if I go out and talk to people if I go out and research things that like I'm not great at copywriting or something like that so then research enter a program and you're not great at marketing enter a program research a program is there a class locally or do you want to do it online like I just think that people have to make the initiative Mm -hmm. in order for them to be successful honestly or for me to know who you are Like, how do I know who you are unless you're talking to me? You know what I mean? Or you're sharing your content, you're being consistent. So I think it's just like self-responsibility in some senses, because I'm not really like one of those people who like point the finger and just like, oh, everyone else is not doing what they need to do to reach me. I'm like, how can I get in front of them so you can't ignore me? Mm -hmm. Like, that's a mindset. I think a lot of designers need to adapt. (laughs) Okay. What's an industry trend that's going on right now that you just wish would sort of die a slow, painful death? Oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. (laughs) One industry trend that I wish to go away. Hmm. I would say I hate how everyone is saying, like, everything should be flat design Mm -hmm. in a way where I just feel like 
it shouldn't be for everything. Um, I wish people make that very known. Like it shouldn't be for everything or everyone or every industry. And I'm probably like the only person who probably says that because I love it for like my phone, but I hate it for like on the web because uh-huh. it's kind of boring. <laughs> and maybe because I'm more of like a person who loves to design based on like emotion, who likes to evoke emotion through design. So flat design just doesn't do it for me. But yeah, that's, Everybody's probably like, what is she talking about? <laughs> but <laughs> I don't like flat design that much. Like, I love it for apps. I hate it for sites. Point blank, period. <laughs> okay. If you weren't doing design, what do you think you would be doing? Oh, my goodness. If I wasn't doing design, what would I be doing? That's pretty hard because, you know, I've been doing it for so long. I honestly would be the one person who says I don't have an answer for that because okay. it's what I wake up thinking about it's what I go to sleep thinking about and there is like no other career that I would do if I was like to say no career I would probably be traveling the world a lot and just me my husband and like having kids (laughs) having babies like no work if anything but if I'm gonna work this is the work I'm destined to do I hear you so if you could choose any place in the world and create a design for it where would it be and what would you make? Like organization or just like any place? like any Anything, any place, any organization, anything in the world. Oh my gosh. I really want to work for, I would really want to contribute either through like web design or even graphic design for American Cancer Society. Okay. I walked for them this past year in my hometown and people's stories just move me. Like what, and my mother also is like, she also had cancer. Mm-hmm. And so I would love to work for them. And that's like, they're on my top of my wish list. Like, I really want to work for them so bad. And you should have seen it. It was so powerful. It was like tens of thousands of women, men, like all these pink shirts everywhere. Everyone's dancing and singing and celebrating life. I just want to keep on being a part of that. Like, for years to come. So like they're the one organization I would love to work with. Definitely. All right. So just to wrap things up, where can our audience find you online? They can find me at www.saidamitchumdesigns.com or facebook.com slash Designs, Or you can find me on Twitter slash Mitchum. And of course, on Revision Path soon. And of course, on revisionpath.com. <laughs> Please go every day. Please read and listen to the podcast and look for my column. Definitely every day, Revision Path. And I, I think we should also mention that I guess if you want to talk a little bit about what's going to happen with the Inspiring Black Designers site and with those interviews. Yes, they will be on revisionpath.com. So. No content will be lost. Your stories will not be lost. Your interviews will not be lost. And you can read everything that I've had as far as highlights and interviews on revisionpath.com from here on out. All right. Sounds good. Saida Mitchum, thanks again for taking time out for this interview. Thank you, Maurice. I am so looking forward to reading your column. I want to see what you're going to contribute. And I think that the people listening, of course, are excited as well. Same here. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. All right.
And that's it for this week. A huge thanks to Saida Mitchum for the interview. I am so excited, y'all, to work with her and just to have her here on board at Revision Path. Make sure you keep checking back to the site every day because she's going to be starting her column really, really soon. Also, thanks go out to our sponsor, MailChimp, the best email marketing service provider out there. Did you know that they send over 4 billion emails a month? You can let them send emails for you too. Just sign up for a free account at MailChimp.com. They'll take care of the rest. Don't forget to check out audibletrial.com forward slash revision path and get that free 30-day trial and your free audiobook. We're giving away free email, free ebooks. I mean, there's a lot of great stuff here. So please, please, please hit up our sponsors and just tell them thanks. Revision Path is a 318 media project. If you like what we're doing with this podcast, you can sponsor an upcoming episode. Just visit revisionpath.com forward slash donate and get started. Thanks so much for tuning in and we'll see you next time.